And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our two texts this morning speak to some of my deepest fears. The first one, of course, being snakes. Snakes are awful. But you know what's worse than snakes? is fiery serpents. Yeah, somehow they figured out a way to make them worse in numbers. I'm also terribly afraid of the dark, and there's a lot of sort of that language in here. As a kid, actually, I don't think I ever saw my parents' basement fully dark because when I would turn the light off at the bottom of the stairs, I was up to the top before the bulb was finished going out because I was so afraid of what it might be like down there if indeed it was dark. In fact, growing up, I started this practice where I would put a blanket just over my eyes because we all know that if you can't see the monsters under the bed, they can't see you. And so I'd sleep with a blanket just like this, just so that I didn't have to be in the darkness around me. And if you're one of our youth that have ever gone on one of our trips and had the joy of maybe sharing a large room with me, you'd see that Pastor still sleeps with something right over his eyes because some things just are now a force of habit. And, of course, perhaps more than anything, I'm afraid of the truth, especially when the truth is potential to get me in trouble. The year was 1998, and I was doing what everyone was doing at that time. I was in my backyard practicing my Sammy Sosa home run hop. I just, I had to get it down just right. And so I was there in the yard, and I was hitting the ball, trying to hit it over the garage so I could practice that prance around the bases when my last wiffle ball went over the neighbor's fence. But I didn't want to go over there. So I did the next best thing. I grabbed a rock, right? Just continued my game. Threw the rock up to myself, got a hold of it. It was a smash hit right through the window of the garage. Okay. Before, again, I had a moment to think, I had sprinted inside and ran into the door and just pretended like nothing had ever happened. Until later on, my dad walked in the room holding up a broken piece of glass, lifting it up and saying, so who did this? Well, the jig was up. I confessed after trying to throw one of my brothers under the bus first, and I was held accountable for it. And I think it's this idea of lifting up that stands at the center, really, of both of our texts here this morning. We have this very bizarre sort of text from Numbers that's then referred to in John of this moment where Moses 
makes a bronze serpent and lifts it up on a pole so that everyone who sees it may no longer die from the snakes that have been biting them. Snakes, by the way, which have been sent as punishment from God. And it's this very text that is, of course, referenced in John as Jesus himself then is talked about being lifted up so that those who are snake-bitten by sin, too, may no longer die. But if it turns out, if you're Jesus, being lifted up can mean many things. It can serve as a passion prediction. Being lifted up on the cross, for example, can also serve as a prediction of his resurrection, being lifted up from the grave, or yes, if you're keeping track at home, it can even be a prediction of the ascension, being lifted up into the heavens. And I think in order to experience the fullness of God's love, the the fullness of what eternal life has to offer, I think we need all three of these exaltations, all three of these lifting up moments, but it starts with that of being lifted on the cross. Lifted on the cross because God so loved the world that God gave the only Son so that all who believe may not perish but may have eternal life. You see, eternal life is a really wonderful, wonderful promise for each and every one of us because in many ways we fear death. And I see this all around. I see the discomfort in the faces of families or individuals as they're planning their own funeral or perhaps the funeral of a loved one. In fact, the funeral industry goes really, really hard to try to not talk about death when that's literally their business. I mean, think about it. You go to the funeral home, which is a place where people live. You gather in the parlor, which is a place where people gather to play cards or share a laugh together. But you go there for a wake, right, as if the person is just sleeping temporarily. And then you have your celebration of life service. More and more, I'm not even hearing the phrase funeral. You see, they use that language because although they deal in death, they want to lift up the part of life because we're uncomfortable with death. And if we're uncomfortable with death, we're really uncomfortable with death on a cross. We're really uncomfortable with what Good Friday offers, that moment where Jesus is lifted up in a brutal death that is meant to be a public show of power by Rome. And when we look at the cross, what we see is the worst of what humanity has to offer. What we see is systems of injustice that allow for the innocent to suffer for no reason. What we see is the mob mentality at its worst, where the fervor may begin in a small place, but pretty soon the whole crowd is yelling, crucify him. What we see is the shame and the loneliness that Jesus suffers as he hangs from the tree. But what we also see when we look at the cross is the source of eternal life. And that's why we make the cross such a focal point of our gathering spaces. Because when we look at this, while it might be an instrument of death, at the same time, it is the source of eternal life. It's the source of our healing. Not unlike the pole with the serpent on it in our text from Numbers. It becomes a source of healing. But notice, this bronze serpent doesn't make the biting, fiery snakes go away. They're probably still biting people. It just means that now if they look at the pole, it's no longer lethal. Just like the cross doesn't make death just disappear. It's still a part of human life. It just means that death's sting is no longer lethal because we know that it leads ultimately to new life and resurrection, which is why in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he even says, where, oh, where death is your sting. 
See, Lent, Holy Week, and Easter is not an exercise in learning how to avoid death. It's actually an exercise in passing right through death in order that we may come to experience eternal life. See, Jesus is only lifted from the grave if he's first lifted on the cross. But I would say that it shouldn't end there, that indeed being lifted to the heavens on the ascension is important too. Because remember, Easter is the resurrection of one single person, a really, really important person. It's the moment where we see what is possible for God. But ascension, ascension is our invitation to be lifted up as well. Indeed, in John's gospel, he says, and when I'm lifted from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. What I love is the inclusivity of this invitation. I love that God's ability to lift us from the the depths of death, to lift us into the heavens, isn't based on us being righteous. It's not like all Lutherans are are, are lifted up, or, or even all people only. In fact, it's all of creation. Remember, for God so loved the world, or the Greek says, for God so loved the cosmos, that God sent the only Son that we may live. Indeed, God's purpose is love, not condemnation. And it's love, not just for me or you, but for all of creation. For the entirety of the cosmos, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. Think about that day in 1998 in the backyard. In fact, if you're playing, paying real close attention, you'll know that I've told this story before a few years ago on Easter, actually. And afterwards, we went back to our house to have lunch together. And after we prayed and we settled into conversation, my mom looked across the table and she goes, why do you tell that story? Why do you tell that story? I barely remember that happening. And you're still dwelling on it here. Why do you keep telling that story? I don't have the heart to tell her because it was a traumatic event. Because my solution in the moment was to run away from my parents, essentially. Because I knew if I avoided them, I would avoid their judgment. And I feel guilty about it. I love my parents. But in that moment, that was how I was going to avoid judgment. I was just going to run the other way forever. And it wasn't until they lifted up before me the broken glass, which little did they know, was a representation of what I was plotting to be, the beginning of a rather broken relationship that they allowed me back in, in their love. Yeah, there was some punishment beforehand. Don't get me wrong. I had to pay for the replacement piece of glass, and my dad showed me how to do it as he watched over my shoulder and told me I was doing it wrong. But love was the end of the story. Our relationship found wholeness once more. You see, in the season of Lent, Jesus is shining the light on the things that we would rather keep in the dark, the things we'd rather run away from. What we hear are words of judgment that speak to our deepest vulnerabilities and our darkest fears. But what we can't lose sight of along the way is that Jesus, the Word made flesh, is also the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Sometimes I am overcome by my guilt. I'm overcome by my fear that God's judgment means that I will never live up to God's expectations and never experience the resurrection, the lifting up that God has promised to everybody else but me. And it's in that moment when I have to take a step back 
and believe once more that God's purpose in judgment is not condemnation, but love. And it's that love that lifts us from the grave into eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen.